Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. God, thank you um, just for the way you created Bill's mind and heart and that they're connected in a really sweet and powerful way. Bless him, God, as he shares with us. Amen. Okay, if you're wondering what looks different, the PA speakers are on the ground instead of up there, and that means I have to stay right here. And I like to walk around, so I'm probably going to do that accidentally and make everything feedback, and it'll be terrible. So I'm sorry. And and if and I'm gonna just I'm gonna try though. I'm gonna try to stay right here on, on in this couple foot circle and and behave. But we'll see how I go. How I do. Okay. Um, if you want a Bible to follow along, there are some here, and you can raise your hand, and I'll hand you one, or someone will hand you one. Uh, if you have an app on your, some device that you use for that, or you brought a Bible or whatever, you can take that out. And we are going to Matthew 17, 24. And before we get into that text, uh, I'll just say a few words about kind of what we've been doing lately. It's, I say lately loosely because it's been like a year and a half. For probably the last year and a half at this church, we've been working through the Gospel of Matthew uh, in great detail. Uh, we're still, we've got a ways to go. And uh, in particular, we're focusing on a couple of key themes in Matthew, uh, especially this idea that Jesus keeps talking about called the kingdom of heaven. And in particular, uh, our assumptions that we often have about what Christianity is about will make us hear kingdom of heaven often as heaven, a place you go when you die where God is king. If you're good enough or if you're uh, forgiven by Jesus or something like that, you'll go to heaven when you die and, and God will be king there. And when we look, uh, as we've been doing, at that theme in Matthew's gospel, we find that that's really not what Jesus is talking about. The first time I read through Matthew, it sounded very funny because he didn't talk about heaven the way I expected. Uh, you may have found that to be the case as well. And so what we've been uh, trying to say, and I've been saying it quite a lot, and you may be sick of hearing me say it, but it it takes repetition, so it sinks in. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about a place you go when you die where God is king. That's not to say you won't go to heaven when you die. I'm not trying to take that away from you. But what he's talking about is heaven coming to earth. He's talking about God's will being done, as the prayer says, on earth as it is in heaven. And so because we are looking forward ultimately not to dying and going somewhere else, but God and his kingdom coming fully to the world that we know and bringing transformation. Uh, and because we believe that in Jesus that has already begun, that we get to experience that as followers of Jesus, his kingdom coming, his will being done uh, in the world that we know while we wait for the fullness of that in the future, uh, that's going to change how we expect uh, our lives to go, how we think about our circumstances, how we pray, because we uh, expect God to do stuff in the world that we live in, in the affairs that concern us, with the people that we meet, and things like that. So we're not just living towards this future uh, place, uh, but more accurately, we're living towards uh, God's full transformation of the world in accordance with his purposes. We don't see that all the way now, but we will uh, when Jesus returns. We, we look forward to that. And, and I believe that that is historically what Christianity is fundamentally about, even though that may not be 
how we're used to thinking about it. So that's the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And when I first uh, opened up this Matthew series, uh, I introduced a few themes that we're going to see today. One of those is that this kingdom, this reality where God has his way on earth as it is in heaven is counterintuitive. It often doesn't look like we might have expected. Often it offends. Often it surprises. Um, People were expecting someone to come from God to bring about his purposes, but they certainly were not expecting that person to die in the most shameful way possible. It's counterintuitive that this is God's appointed king. Um, We also talked about, uh, in this genealogy that opens Matthew, there's this organization that, um, in what doesn't look ordered, in what doesn't look coherent, in what looks like a random bunch of names, we see this organization, this order, this way in which it's presented to us as um, purposeful and intentional and having coherence and significance. And what I wanted to get at there and what I think we see a lot in Matthew, among other things, is that seem, you know, a lot of what God does is kind of behind the scenes. God is up to stuff we can't see. God is up to, God is working through the things that it's not obvious God is working through oftentimes. That's not to say that everything that happens is um, appointed by God in exactly the detailed way that it happens. I don't, I don't affirm that. But there is a sense in which God is at work even when we can't obviously see it. And I think that's important to this passage as well. So we shall read, and then I'll say some more stuff. <clears throat> so Matthew seven twenty four. When they reached Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and said, Does your teacher not pay the temple tax? He said, yes, he does. And when he came home, Jesus spoke of it first, asking, what do you think, Simon? Simon is another name for Peter. What do you think, Simon? From whom do uh, kings of the earth take toll or tribute? From their children or from others? When Peter said, from others, Jesus said to him, then the children are free. However, so that we do not give offense to them, go to the sea and cast a hook Take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find a coin. Take that and give it to them for you and for me. So there's some interesting stuff there. Uh, (laughs) Fundamentally, what I see here, I don't know if it is is how it occurs to you, uh, but to me there's this thing going on where God is providing, uh, the, the term we would use is sovereignly. God is sovereign over what's going on. In other words, God sits above uh, the world and the events of the world and is at work, kind of like I was talking about a moment ago. Uh, when we talked about this, the uh, Lord's Prayer, uh, where it says, Our Father who art in heaven, uh, when I talked about that uh, quite a while ago now, I mentioned that we shouldn't hear Our Father who art in heaven as though God is far away. The idea is that our Father in heaven is positioned by being in heaven. Heaven, if you think of it like the control room of the creation, our Father is positioned to hear the prayer and to do something about it. Uh, I think that's how we should see our Father in heaven, not as though our Father who's not here but somewhere up there we have to pray really loud so that he hears us or something. Um, God God is positioned to do something with our circumstances. And so I think we see that. There's a lot of things that make me think that. First, uh, notice that when Peter comes to Jesus, it's not that he comes and says, hey, you know, the temple tax collectors were asking me if we pay the temple tax. We do, right? It wasn't that Jesus spoke first. You know, Simon just shows up after having had this conversation. He says, so Simon, let me ask you a question. You know, 
so there's the sense that he somehow knows that this happened. He sees that this is on Simon's mind, or if it's not on his mind, he sees that this was a conversation that happened recently. Uh, that doesn't surprise us. We believe that Jesus has that kind of insight, but I mean, that's, that's what I see by the fact that it bothers to mention that he spoke first. And it's also a really specific insight when he tells him what to go and do. It's not, you know, well, yeah, we pay the temple tax. We don't want to offend these people. So why don't you go fishing? Simon was a fisherman after all. He knows how to catch fish and make a living. Why don't you go catch some fish so that we can pay the temple tax and not upset people? But it's not that. It's this amazing, weird miracle that's quite outside of our usual experience. And it doesn't say it was needed. It doesn't say they didn't have money for the temple tax and so God miraculously provided. In, in Scripture, we see stories where provision is desperately needed, where there's a drought and the widow and her son are about to die and they have just enough flour for, for one cake of bread and then Elijah shows up and they have enough to last the whole time. That's like a desperately needed miracle of provision. This seems to me like just a miracle of provision that kind of just happened. The temple tax wasn't that much money. Uh, it talks about, you know, the translation doesn't bother to tell you the names of specific amounts of money, but it's in the text, in, you know, amounts that are meaningless to us. It's not that much money. I imagine they could have paid the temple tax if they wanted to, or at least it doesn't say that they couldn't. That wasn't the problem. Jesus just tells them, go uh, do this thing, throw a hook in the water, and the first fish that'll come out, not just any fish, but the first one, it's not just, you know, go earn some money. It's go, and the first fish will have this specific coin that he mentions. And it's exactly the amount of money that costs the temple tax for two people. That If you're reading it in Greek, that's clear, but you don't need to know the names of the stuff. So if the temple tax was 50 bucks a year, then uh, you're going to find 100 in the fish's mouth, is the idea. It's very specific. It's seems to be sort of custom-tailored. This event is custom-tailored to uh, the, the circumstances. So you do get this sense of God's provision, God's sovereign provision over this situation, possibly not so much because it was needed, maybe just to teach Peter a lesson about who God is to him or something like that. Um, so it seems to me that this is less about... Um, need and God meeting the need, although I believe God is like that. I think it's more about just, Peter, I want you to see that God is your father and you should come to him as a dependent child, as a child who trusts his father, as a child who relies on what his father is doing, and who, uh, uh, to be into this kingdom thing that we're doing um, is to come to God as a, ch a child, not as, a, not as someone who owes God something, not as someone who needs to uh, pay his way but as someone who's being provided for lovingly and freely by their father. <clears throat> and uh, he does go into this thing about the children being free and the kings of the earth. You should hear God as the king there. The, uh, kings don't tax their own, I mean, <laughs> kings don't tax their children. Fathers don't uh, require money from their kids, usually, hopefully not. <clears throat> um, if your father did, I'm very sorry. But... Uh, we see this language of being children of God a lot in Matthew, and that has a lot to do often with uh, freeness with which God treats us, God's care and concern for us. It says that our Father in heaven knows the number of hairs on our head. Um, if we can take Jesus at his word, then our Father in heaven knows how many of your uh, skin cells have died and how many have uh, formed since I've been talking. God, is, God knows us in detail. God sees us in detail. 
God knows our needs and God is, uh, cares about our needs before we ask for things. We see this in Matthew. This is how Jesus talks about the Father in heaven. Uh, and so I think I see this idea in this passage as well. The children are free. Uh, the children are um, cared for deeply by the Father. And so the kingdom is not fundamentally about what we do. We do believe there's doing to be done, that we have stuff to do, and I talk about that stuff a lot. But ultimately, uh, it's not something we earn. It's not something we have to be... My tendency is to be super concerned about doing everything right. I don't know if any of you are like that. But my tendency is, okay, I need to get the, the sermon just right. I need to get the prayer just right. I need to make sure I have all the ideas fully worked out. That's just how I, that's my tendency. Um, but the kingdom is one where it's really about what God does. And the exact words I tell you today really don't matter that much. What matters is that God brings transformation, that God's spirit is at work, that God does stuff, and that we make ourselves available to what God wants to do. So we have this uh, sense of childlike trust, childlike humility. I believe that's how we're to hear what he's saying. If you'll, uh, next week, not next week, the week after next week, because next week is Easter, we're going to talk about uh, the beginning of Matthew 8, and I'll just read you the first little bit of that. Uh, this is part of the same scene um, as, as what we just read with Peter and Jesus and him telling him about the fish and so forth. Uh, it doesn't say that Peter went and did it. I assume he probably did, but uh, it just has Jesus tell him that, and then some stuff happens. And what it says is, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus. That is right when he had told Peter to do this thing. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among them and said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And so we'll hear more about that in a couple of weeks. But uh, to me, I want to read what happens with Peter in light of what happens next, because it is part of one scene in the, in the gospel. And so uh, I believe that when Peter goes and uh, is provided for in this astonishing way, this astonishingly detailed way, right? Um, how, how the coin got in the fish's mouth, I have no idea. I, I couldn't tell you. It's completely outside of my experience, though I have seen God do very oddly specific things. So maybe not completely, but, but this, this is definitely more strikingly specific than I've seen. Um, I think the idea is Peter is discovering that he is a, he is a child dependent on his Father in heaven. He is a child who, um, who can humbly receive freely from God and, and be in a position of, of reliance on God and that that's what the kingdom is like. If we see ourselves as children of God who are reliant on our Father for what only he can do, and if we see that God is sovereign over our circumstances to such an extent that he can do even something as amazing as what we read in this passage, or even something as amazing as some of you have experienced when God really seemed to be aligning things uh, for your purposes, because, you know, to meet your needs or whatever, even just to show you something that was totally frivolous and unnecessary, but just to reflect love or something. If, if that's how we think about God, that changes how we deal with challenges. It changes how we, do, uh, how we think about um, probability and risk and uh, unanswered questions. And if we have this childlike trust in God, we can move forward 
when we don't have all the questions answered yet. And I know some of you have had experiences where you moved forward trusting, feeling like God was prompting you to do something and not having it all totally, uh, all the questions answered yet, not having everything resolved yet. Um, I think that's, that's part of what it means to be a kingdom person, that we trust God even when we don't have everything figured out, even when we're not sure how X, Y, and Z are going to get dealt with. That doesn't mean we charge off and do things irresponsibly, but it does mean uh, our posture is one of trust, not one of, well, I'm in charge of making sure that everything happens the way it's supposed to for me. Uh, for me in particular, I think about my career, and that's how I relate to this, because uh, the job market for, I'm, I'm studying to be a professor in New Testament studies, the job market is terrible, and uh, doesn't necessarily pay well either. And so doing what I'm doing is pretty dumb. I used to, and I used to, I used to have a career where I made money, and I had job security, and, and everything, and you know, because I felt like God was leading me to do this other thing, I turned my back on that. And my family was like, that's pretty dumb. And, and they're right. They're right, unless this is God, right? Unless God has my back, and I am confident that God has my back. Outside of that, this is really dumb. I didn't just do it because I up and decided to and assumed God would bless it. I did it because I felt and continue to do it because I feel like God is uh, at work. And that changes how I think about the probability. It changes how I think about you know, the amount of debt that I'm in and stuff like that. And you may have different uh, situations where that applies, but I think that is part of being a kingdom person. And if you don't have a big risk that you're undertaking right now, just don't worry, wait a while. There'll probably be one. <clears throat> I did want to say, um, to stand here and talk about how God is so able to take care of us and that God is so... Uh, Concern with our needs, I have to say a word about the times when it doesn't feel like God cares about us or it feels like God dropped the ball and didn't hold up his end of the deal or didn't behave as a loving father. And some of you have had experiences like that too, I know. Um, and so I don't want to give this glossy picture like, oh, just believe in God and trust and do what you think you should and you'll be fine and nothing will ever go wrong. Uh, or even just mostly you'll be okay. Honestly, in experience, we know that's not true. Uh, a lot of the way we do testimony in churches, you may have noticed, uh, Christian testimony often follows the pattern, bad Jesus, good. And I've talked about that before. It's, okay, I was, I was addicted to something. Uh, I turned to Jesus. Then I'm not addicted anymore, and praise God. That's great. I love, I love those stories. If that's truth, then great. I, I'm happy for that. Uh, you know, I, marriage problems, we prayed, everything's great. Oh, that's wonderful. But that's mostly how we do Christian testimony. Those are mostly the stories that we tell uh, when we talk about how God has been at work. And if you've been doing this for very long, you know that's not always how it works. And sometimes things are more complicated, and sometimes there's a lot more ambiguity than that. And if we're not honest about that, and if we're not honest publicly about that, and if we give people these expectations like, oh, well, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be great, and you're just going to see all these glorious transformations and everything... Uh, it makes it hard to handle when it doesn't look like bad Jesus good. And Scripture's not naive. Scripture doesn't make us sound like we should expect uh, that, that God's just going to fix all our problems. You, if you sit down and look at the stuff, that it, it very much has room for people to struggle and wrestle and complain. God, you didn't hold up your end of the deal. This is not uh, out of bounds for our faith. This is completely a part of the picture of what it means to be faithful to our God. 
Uh, and so I think we need to be, I believe we are a community, I think we need to continue to be and increasingly be a community that has room for uh, things to not look uh, quite so tidy, uh, things to, you know, to have problems, to have str struggles, to have questions. Uh, I love the song we were singing earlier about um, the, the questions I ask will never be resolved in all this. Um, that's one of, the, one of my favorites, I think, that we do here because it, it helps us to not expect that we're going to have all the right answers to every little thing that comes up. And uh, I, don't, I have a story I'm going to not tell, but <laughs> the need to answer, you know, when something ambiguous comes up, when something confusing happens that doesn't fit how we want to talk about God, if we have this picture that, okay, just reliant on our Father, He takes care of us, etc. Um, if we try to explain why someone is having a problem or suffering or suffering for a long time or why someone dies or why some other tragedy happens, uh, we can be really destructive if we have to come up with a theological way to get God off the hook for this problem. Um, we live, as we said earlier, in a time between the coming of the kingdom and the full coming of the kingdom. So I, I would say we don't see God's will done fully on earth as it is in heaven right now. We look forward to the day when that will be true. We do see this ambigu ambiguity. We don't have all the answers. God doesn't explain exactly here's how you deal with problem X, problem Y. Um, we're left with having to try to adopt this posture of trusting God like children. Uh, with a loving father, while sometimes it doesn't feel like that. And sometimes it really, really, really doesn't feel like that. And sometimes um, it really looks like God dropped the ball. And I don't think we should try to explain. I don't think we should try to fix it or, or give someone the right advice. I think we should be with one another, try and support one another and encourage one another and, and not have to always have answers. Um, and acknowledge the validity of, of the suffering that this person is going, undergoing. You know, when we're, when we're together, uh, we should be in each other's lives as a supportive presence, not as one that, like, okay, I need you to be okay now so that I can continue having the beliefs that I have. Um, I think I'm done. So what we're going to do is... Um, I want to do some praying if people feel like there's, there's something that, that this is either what I'm saying or just they're feeling God putting his finger on something today. Uh, if there's a way you need to, you know, you need God to show up for you in the kind of way that Peter experienced, you need provision, you need God to come through, uh, and you want to pray with someone about that, we want to pray for you here. Uh, if you have felt like God, well, the, the other part of this where it feels like God dropped the ball or you're having trouble trusting that God is uh, for you and has good intentions for you, then we definitely want to pray for that. Uh, and if you don't feel like you know God as a loving father who knows the number of hairs on your head, who knows your need and is interested in what's good for you and is working uh, for your benefit, uh, if that's not how you know God, if you don't know Jesus like that, and you want to, we want to pray for that as well. So um, we'll have a few things you can do. Uh, a few of us, well, if, you, if, you, if there's someone here that you know or someone near you that you're comfortable talking to and you want to just tap them and, and talk about whatever you're feeling and ask them to pray for you, I encourage you to do that. Or if there's someone elsewhere in the room that you want to go to that you trust, you can go to them. Uh, if you don't know someone or if you have a, a particularly sensitive thing you want to talk about, and you want to make sure you're 
uh, talking to a safe person. Uh, a few of us will be by the bottom of the stairs who, are, who this church recognizes as safe people that you can pray with that uh, will treat you right. Uh, <laughs> I think you're pretty safe in general, but if you want, you know, people who are officially uh, <laughs> acknowledged, uh, you can come over to the bottom of the stairs over here. Um, and yeah, we just, I just want to encourage people to pray for one another, talk with each other. Uh, you know, if you want to get some snacks and just mingle, that's fine too. But we want to take some time to pray and, and uh, seek the Lord and ask what God is saying and, and pray that over each other.